Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy romance and romantic fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Looks good. All right, today is, say it with me, it's Friday! Woohoo! January 14th. Uh, yeah, end of a week. It's been a week, hasn't it? A lot of people seem to have had um, just a tumultuous week. You know, kicking into January. Uh, I saw one of my friends post a meme yesterday about um, that they were doing a new program called January where they try to get through every day of January. <laughs> uh, that reminded me of you, Mom. Uh, although it's nice uh, now that my mom's in uh, the land of warm weather, uh, she's much happier with uh, January's. In fact, I think that you would say January is now a good time for you, right? So uh, thank you for the the kind thoughts and virtual hugs that you all sent. I appreciated it. I didn't expect to be uh, so uh, emotional about my friend yesterday. Um, you know, it's, it's funny how when you get to be later in life, as opposed to when you are, you know, a kid or in college or, you know, like early stuff, uh, you know, how your friendships form because, and, and it's something I've actually thought about a whole lot is like, why do we make friends with the people that we do? And why do, why do we lose friends? Why do they pass again out of our lives? And, you know, it's interesting. I think so many of our friendships are situation dependent. They have to do with, and not even situation, but like occupation dependent, right? They have to do with like what we are doing, what we're spending our time doing. And I've, I've had lots of conversations with friends about this because, you know, they talk about like when their kids were little, that they had a whole lot of mom friends, you know, they, their friends were the moms of other kids. They're saying kids aging on their kids would play together and they became friends for that reason. And once the kids got older, they drifted away from the mom friends, you know, and of course there's always exceptions to these things, but there can be, um, yeah, a lot of, um, maybe it's situational, you know, your, your next door neighbors where you live at a particular time, uh, when we're kids, you know, it's the kids in our classes, um, in high school, the kids in our high school class, you know, and we gravitate to certain people, uh, jobs, you know, you become friends with the people that you work with. <clears throat> and when you leave the job, sometimes those friendships, um, sometimes they persist and sometimes they drift away. Most of my close friends right now are writers, um, shockingly enough. But I'm also friends with people that I have professional relationships with. Um, you know, like I am friends with assistant Kareen. Um, but we became friends in part, well, in part because she read my books first. And so that makes anybody my friend. Um, if you read my love my books, you are my friend. Um, but then, you know, like, it's funny, you know, the other people that I see regularly, uh, 
you know, by the gal who does my nails. You know, I see her every week and we, we actually know each other really well. <laughs> um, you know, the guy who does my hair. Uh, you know, and so my CPA, someone that I have been, you know, in a, an intimate financial relationship with for many, many years. I wonder how long. Okay. So March of 2016, um, feels longer, but you know, that's marked my whole transition to supporting myself as an author. He's been an intimate part of that. So, you know, almost six full years of pretty regular communication. <clears throat> but then it's funny when you have a professional relationship with someone like that, uh, though you, you have that friendship and, and feel the closeness you, um, also don't have, you know, like entree to their lives. And so my mom suggested I should try to look up his uh, home address and send him uh, a note, which I think I will do. I think that was a very good idea, mom. So, um, hmm. what else? Yeah, I'm still at midpoint at this, on this book. I'm at like 52,000 words. So, um, hopefully it'll speed up after this. I guess I didn't really finish all my thoughts on friendship. Did I, I think one of the things is I'm coming to recognize that it's okay when friendships pass out of your life, lives again, out of your life again. <clears throat> that it's, um, that's, uh, it may, you know, it's part of the natural order. Maybe we don't like things to end or to lose things, but you know, and sometimes somebody ends up not being your friend anymore for reasons that are not transparent to, you know, it's like, well, did I do or say something? And you can really kick yourself around for that sort of thing. I read a really great collection, um, and I wonder if I have it here on my shelf. I don't have many paper books anymore. It was like the friend, the friend something. Oh, that's my mom. That's your ringtone, mom. Um, I'll say hello to her so she's not concerned. Well, I was trying to find the name of that book <clears throat> and then I got a phone call. <laughs> uh, been trying to rework the schedule for house cleaning um, because I had to cancel on my gal earlier this week because I was sick and uh, and now my lady who comes and cleans is uh, having surgery on Monday so we were she actually had her son call me to facilitate communication and navigate so um, yeah I mean it's, it's interesting. Doesn't it seem like lots of people are, are sick? Uh, my nail gal was out for two weeks with, um, like major cough and sinus infection, not COVID. She's like, she got tested several times, you know, went to see the doctor, all of this. And the doctor's like, no, it's just your garden variety. Um, you know, January respiratory thing. And that settled in her lungs and she got kind of a pneumonia. 
she even said, which I thought was funny, she's like, you know, we got so aware of being so careful to not get COVID, and then we forget that there's still all these other things we could get. So, uh, so anyway, this collection of essays, and I, I cannot remember the name of it. Even I even tried looking it up on Amazon, and I didn't get anywhere, and I don't see it on my shelf, but it was really excellent. <laughs> Too bad you guys will never know about it. Uh, and I think I lent out my copy to someone. But it was all of these essays about losing a friendship, a female friendship, and sort of um, musings on why. And, you know, it, it's something that we can dwell on. I dwell on. Maybe you guys don't. But very often we never get an answer to. And that's okay. You know, the maybe sometimes the answer is just that friendships can be situational. And when you're not no longer doing the thing, then your little Venn diagram of intersection. That's my Hangouts. I should mute. It's probably Assistant Kareen. Yep. Yep. Wrong button, Jeffy. There we go. All right. Sorry for all the interruptions, you guys. You should always mute your phone when you're having coffee together. So, um... Yeah. Yeah. Just interesting. The, the musings on friendships and so forth. The other thing I'm thinking about is retellings. Um, I feel like retellings are really popular right now. And again, you know, sort of these circles and circles of, uh, readers and storytellers. Uh, I know that like among the, the KU fantasy romance gals, uh, fairy tale retellings are immensely popular and there are certain ones that come in vogue. So right now, like Hades and Persephone, uh, sexy retellings are really in vogue and there's a number of them out right now. And their, you know, beauty of, and the beast is of course, I almost would call beauty and the beast rather than a retelling, um, a trope. And what's the difference, right? Some stories become so classically embedded in our imaginations that they are tropes. Beauty and the Beast is one of those. Um, The Cinderella story is a trope. Arguably, like when these were set down in the format that we're familiar with today, uh, sort of the uh, Hans Christian Andersen or style fairy tale retellings where they were doing a retelling, right? And they, they set it down in a book, but these stories were much older than that. And you know, and then Disney picked them up and made them into movies and people riff on this same story. So you have the story as we're familiar with it being told, such as, you know, like Cinderella, um, with the idea of, that the core of the story is the young woman who is um, downtrodden, who is recognized for her, her in its qualities for her, her goodness that she shines once given the opportunity that her qualities shine and she marries the prince and becomes a queen. 
that's that's the core of the Cinderella story. Um, then we have all of the parts of the story with which we are familiar today. Um, a lot of times these, what we consider to be the story today, you know, may be like what we got from watching the Disney version or, um, which is what I think a large, a large piece of it, at least in our current culture. So dividing out the trope from the actual story is, is part of it. I guess part of what you need to think about if you're going to say, I want to retell this story. You know, Hades and Persephone, of course, comes out of Greek mythology. And there's, it's it's almost more, I would say it's becoming a trope. Um, maybe it's always been a trope. But I think it's becoming tropier now because it's so popular. And the some of the retellings stay very close and others simply take that trope and move it into something else. I think one of the, so, so my story, my BDSM beauty and the beast petals and thorns is a retelling. I would say it's a retelling because I'm taking that exact story. I, in fact, I very, very closely followed the, um, I went back to the French fairy tale. But so it's not, it's not the Disney, it's not the Disney version. There's no Gestel. Um, but I did use the fairy tale very closely, but then I sexualized it. I made it into, because that was what I wanted, you know, like all of this stuff that I felt like was subtext. That was part of the story that I wanted that in there. So but I think that there's also, um, like the tears of the rose, I think is a beauty and the beast story in that it is the beauty and the beast trope honed down to that core element of, um, the scarred and tormented hero and the, the beauty who is perhaps vain and thoughtless. And how they come together and learn to recognize and, and grow together. Um, she sees his beauty despite the beastliness. He sees her value despite the vanity and shallowness. So I think that we have to be careful when we do retellings. Which story we choose. So, um, you know, like, especially if people riff off of something that is a highly refined story, like a Disney version of something, it can, it can actually hamper you as a writer. It can limit what you try to do because you're so closely trying to follow that original story that even if you're making changes, which you have to make changes, right? In order to, in order to tell your own story, right? It's like, oh, I want to take this. So let's say, let's say you're doing the Disney Beauty and the Beast, right? And so you've got Belle in her yellow gown and you're trying to do all of these things. And it's like, okay, I'm telling this exact same story only, um, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm not setting it in a village in France. I, I'm doing a modern day version. But if you stick too closely to that story, it's like, well, how do I do, um, you know, like the singing teapot? I, I'm, I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't pick that story because I'm not that close to it. Um, I watched it once. Um, I, I don't love that version. Sorry if that's um, upsetting to you guys. It's um, it's a little too sweet for me. But anyway, so like, I don't know. There was the candelabra guy. Let's just go with this. It's the candelabra guy. So, you know, it's like, well, how do I do the modern day version of the candelabra guy? You know, what, what can I make him be? You know, like, oh, well, it still has to be a candelabra. So I'm going to make it be like a, a robot candelabra that it's powered by an AI and that's how it works. Actually, it's not a bad idea. Um, you may have that because I'm not going to write that story, but you see what I'm saying that you can go down really far down a rabbit hole, trying to exactly replicate all of the elements of the story and in a way that will hamper the story because maybe it'd be better if you are doing a modern day retelling of that Disney version of beauty and the beast that you strip away more. You have to take away um, more of those elements or you're going to be spending all of the story energy trying to replicate rather than going for that, that core spirit. That's what illuminates the story for you. I think maybe that's what I'm trying to get at is you want to look for what illuminates a story. And I know that I talked um, sometime in the last few weeks, what is art? Who am I? About what makes, what makes a story light up for a reader. And, you know, some authors complaining that no matter what they do, they are not able to be, you know, like their books just never take off. It's, it's an indefinable something, but I do think that it has to come from, from that creative heart first, that if you are trying to intellectually follow the rules and replicate a thing, it's just, it's not there. That's not where the spirit of a story is. Um, you know, people get upset about stuff like 50 shades of gray, you know, and say, well, it was twilight fan fiction, you know, and that's, um, doesn't, you know, all it did was rip off that story. Well, no, actually she somehow tapped into the same thing that made twilight magical. So it was like, she took her obsession, the thing that lit her up about twilight. And again, she sexualized it. She turned it into a different kind of story, but it still had that, illumination. And I think that's what, why people clicked with 50 shades of gray. So, um, that was sort of, uh, maybe not particularly articulate rambling series of thoughts, but Hey, it's Friday. So on that note, I will remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the frolic media podcast network. You will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Um, I hope it's restorative and productive, if whichever thing that you need most. And I will talk to you all on Monday. You all take care. Bye-bye.